0: All right, well we are finishing up today our series uh, that you asked for. And uh, at Easter time, we surveyed the entire church. And part of that survey, we asked about different topics that you would like to hear from. And we have been preaching through the top five sermons that you have requested. And uh, so if you remember, if we can just backtrack a little bit, coming in at number five, We talked about discovering God's purpose for my life. And uh, you can go back and listen to any of these messages. All of our messages are archived online, newlife4komo.org. You can listen back maybe in your commute to work or what have you. Uh, And then coming at number four, we talked about surviving life's worst moments. And uh, man, that was an awesome Sunday, wasn't it? That was an awesome Sunday. The, The spirit fell really powerfully that day. And then the next week, we talk, coming at number three was uh, raising kids in today's culture, which is something, a uh, topic I'm very passionate about, and, uh, and I, I would like to tell you that, that there is a remnant of young people that are hungry and thirsty for the Lord and uh, last weekend, I got to go to the Indiana Youth Convention with all of our teens, with about 2,000 teenagers from the Assemblies of God just in Indiana, and uh, it was just, it's just always mind-blowing to see young people just hungry and thirsty for the Lord. It was awesome. And so raising today's and kid, and kids in today's culture, big topic. If you're a parent, or grandparent, if you, had, if you weren't there, I really encourage you to go back and listen to that message. And last week, we talked about the number two most requested sermon is dealing with difficult people. And maybe it's a good thing that you you had that message last Sunday to prepare you to be with all your family on Thanksgiving Day. I don't know. Maybe that helped. Um, But the number one most requested sermon is not really a request. I see it as a cry for help. And it's this Help! I'm stressed. I am stressed. And I, I think that maybe number one had a lot to do with number two, <laughs> dealing with difficult people. But what I know is that 77% of Americans will tell you that their life is affected every day by stress. And uh, sometimes the solution for something is to find the opposite of it. And one of the things I love to do uh, when I'm preparing my messages is uh, a dictionary and a thes- uh, thesaurus. And I like to see, I use a thesaurus a lot to find different words for different things in a dictionary to define it. But sometimes the best solution, this is going to be a one-minute sermon. You ready for this? The best solution for something is to find the opposite of it. And in stressed, spelled backwards, is desserts. All right? So there you go. There you have it. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, Dessert. That's all you need. (laughs) Uh, Coming from a true stress eater myself. Uh, No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. That will just cause you other problems. Uh, The top three factors for stress we know is work, is money, work, and family. Or in other words, relationships. Um, So money, work, and family. These are the top three factors that cause people the greatest amount of stress. And uh, stress, uh, the thing about it is like, Maybe maybe you hear, like, oh, finally, uh, he's given us a message on stress because you asked for this. Um, maybe you're like, oh, thank you. Like, help me get rid of stress. Uh, make it go away. Um, we want a solution that just makes it go away. But God actually never promised to take it away. He didn't. He actually does promise that we will go through difficult times so the bad news is stress is not going away I don't have three points for you to make stress go away it's not going away but here's what stress is stress is when the pressure exceeds the capacity imagine imagine like uh, 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 have you ever seen um People that make these, uh, like a two-liter bottle, I think they put Mentos in a Diet Coke two-liter, and they put the cap on, and, and, it, and it grows and grows, and the pressure builds, and eventually it explodes. Uh, I remember in high school, um, I don't know if this is appropriate, <laughs> uh, but in high school, we used to, uh, I shouldn't say we, I don't want to admit that, but there were high school students that would make what we called in Ohio, I don't know if, if this is a thing. I don't. I, should, I can't go back now, David. I'm too far in. I can't take it back. We used to we make what we called Amish bombs. Ever heard of this? An Amish bomb. <laughs> you put certain ingredients in a bottle, two liter bottle. I think it was like the works toilet cleaner and tin foil and something else. You shake it up and, and uh, sometimes they would end up in a mailbox and then, uh, there would be no more mailbox. Um, not me. Uh, not not we. You know, uh, but it's almost wrong. And the idea was obviously in that it the pressure would build up so much that the 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 capacity was exceeded and would explode. This is what stress looks like in us. That the pressure is building up so much that we are about to erupt and people are erupting all over town this weekend i don't know what it is they get out there and they're doing the shopping thing the black friday thing and and they're just eruptions because the pressure is building up now if the stress is not going anywhere then how do we deal with stress well for instance when we look at moses when the Israelites were wandering in the desert. They had just left Egypt after 400 years of slavery. They're wandering the desert. Many scholars believe that we're talking about millions of people traveling together in the wilderness. Now, I don't know about you. Um, I, I know that like, New Life Church is full of wilderness-type people. Like, they're like, let's go camp. Let's go Let's go do it. Let's pull the camper. Let's set up the tent. Let's do a whole weekend away out in the wilderness. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, it's very intriguing to me. So you go camp, and I have my Marriott reservation, and I'm good. I'm great. And so, um, but even then, you know, you put your family in a car and you take a 12 hour drive. It's stressful. Or better yet, if you travel with a large group of people that aren't your family, that maybe you wouldn't typically spend that much time with in, in a single vehicle or whatever, like there's about to be some, some drama. There's going to be some issues. Now I can't imagine for Moses, millions of people traveling the wilderness. There's all kinds of a, different opinions about what to eat, what exit to stop at, how many times you have to stop. There's all kinds of opinions that start coming up because as you're traveling, you gotta have conversations. So somebody's sharing opinions that are annoying other people, but you're stuck in the car with them, and, and they're traveling, I mean, for 40 years, they're wandering the wilderness. And Moses decides that somebody has to be the mediator for these crazies. Somebody has to help them deal with their problems. So what he does is, he, on a daily basis, he sits, probably sits himself down in a chair, And case by case, he sees every case of people in their troubles. So if you have troubles with them over there, then you get together and you come to Moses, you bring your problem, and then he gives a judgment for your problem. And he helps give give solution for millions of people. His father-in-law, Jethro, sees this system that Moses has set up, where he is the sole judge for all these people, and look what Moses' his father-in-law says to him in Exodus 18, he says, it says, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. Why? You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. In other words, the pressure of helping take care of every single one of these problems exceeds your capacity, Moses. This is going to be problematic. This is going to be stressful. So, so the, the, for the thing is, it's too heavy for you. How many of you have had a week or you've had a season of your life where you're like, God, this is just this is too heavy. The pressure is exceeding my capacity. He says, you are not able to do it alone. So, so ultimately, Jethro says, here's what you ought to do, Moses. You ought to set up for yourself trustworthy, capable men. And you have them over thousands Hundreds and tens. So he kind of he like spreads out the responsibility to capable, trustworthy men. Like this guy, he's going to oversee 1,000. But really by that, he's going to oversee 10 guys that oversee 100. And then they're going to oversee guys that oversee 10. But they're all going to report back to Moses and, and Jethro says, and tell them to only bring the worst cases to you. He's like, oh. And I, when Moses put that in place, I can only imagine. He just went, Oh why he just got a little bit of margin back in his life his capacity just increased the same thing is being accomplished but his capacity increased and so his father will to him if you do this god will direct you you will be able to endure because right now the way you're doing it when the pressure exceeds capacity you will not endure but this way you will endure and and all this people all these people also will go to their place in peace did the stress go away it did not but did god give him some principles to utilize to help stand up under the stress he did you can't do it all the pressure exceeded moses's capacity and he was stressed look what jesus says in matthew 11 he says come to me the problem is the first step, you have to go to him. He says, "Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. It's too heavy, and I will give you rest." Rest doesn't mean doing nothing, because instead, Jesus says, "Come to me, you who are heavy burdened, and then what's and I will give you rest." But then He says, "Take upon my, take my yoke upon you." So He actually puts something else on him. He He says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest with your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This word yoke in the original language actually means a yoke that was custom made. It wasn't a one size fits all. You can't get it at Kmart. We definitely can't get it at Kmart, but you can't get it at uh, Walmart. Uh, it is a custom fit yoke that a carpenter would, would, would look at the cattle and custom fit this yoke so that it would be the most effective, most efficient, the, the, the best way to bear weight. In other words, it would take the, take the load off a little bit and it would yoke two cattle together to, to plow a field. But it was when it's custom made, it wouldn't, it wouldn't harm the cattle. It would fit just right. And of course, Jesus, a carpenter, would know about custom fit yokes. And there is a custom fit yoke with the principles of God that you can put into your life and help not take the stress away, but increase capacity. Because with a bad yoke, it, it's going to cut on the shoulders and you have to take some weight off. But the weight's not going anywhere. But if you have a better yoke if you have a better system if you're using better principles you can bear the load and have less stress because you increase capacity and so in order to really combat stress i'm going to give you five things this morning which is a lot because i know i'm a three guy But i'm going to give you five solutions five things towards a solution for your stress in order to increase capacity. Because the stress, bad news, not going anywhere. I've seen people that that are dealing with things far more stressful than me, and they're handling it better than me. Have you ever seen people that you're like, wow, I could never do what they do. I'd be too stressed. They They experience the same level of stress as you, But they're better off than you why because they learned it's not about managing stress it's about managing capacity because stress is when those the pressure exceeds capacity but if the stress isn't going anywhere we need to exceed we need to expand our capacity so number one increase your capacity by allowing your body and mind to recover There is a principle, a biblical principle that God put in place since the beginning of time and it is the principle of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was first um, introduced into scripture by God himself in in the very first part of the Bible. For six days, God created. Six days and on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested, he rested. This principle is so important That Remember, the Israelites, they ended up in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. No days off for 400 years. So your granddaddy and your granddaddy's granddaddy and you, no days off. And so when when the Israelites come out of Egypt, God gives them these principles. He gives them these things, the Ten Commandments. And some people look back and say, that's the law, that's the law, that's the law. We're not under the law, we're under grace. Yeah, but for the Israelites the law was grace because they came from 400 years where there was no law. Like they could be beaten, they could be mistreated and they had no days off and now the Lord comes he says, and he says okay, one day a week, it's just you and me and you will do no work and he reinstitutes the principle of the Sabbath because God knows the importance of letting your body and your mind recover and many times our capacity is capped Because we don't take time to rest. You have to rest your body. You have to rest your mind in order to recover. Otherwise, the pressure is building. And the Sabbath isn't about what day of the week. The Sabbath is the principle of a 24-hour period of time that you take purposeful rest. You do no work. Um, Hebrews, I'll show it to you in the New Testament. Hebrews says this. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rest from their, what? Their work, just as God did, uh, for, uh, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. What rest? The Sabbath rest. What is the Sabbath? One day a week, a 24-hour period. You do no work and you allow your mind and your body to recover. And this isn't very popular because we are a go, go, go society because we have to keep up with all the things. But I promise you, if you institute, this is a principle of God that he put in place, the Sabbath will help you recover. It will increase your capacity. So if you feel the pressure building, you need to take purposeful, regular, you see this thing? (laughs) It's stressing me out. If you're online, there's a fly swarming my head. I'm about to explode. The pressure's building. Sabbath rest. Somebody taught me this principle about the Sabbath just this past year. And and it's like a light bulb went off in my head because I was like, oh, I do this, but I didn't know I was doing this. And it, it made so much sense for me um, because as a pastor, uh, I've pastored for 15 years and, and I certainly have not kept the Sabbath. There have been seasons in my life that I have not kept the Sabbath and I have felt the pressure build and exceed my capacity. And so learning how to Sabbath and do it well is very important. And this is what they told me. They said that if you work with your hands, then Sabbath with your mind. If you work with your mind, Sabbath with your hands. As a pastor, I work heavily in my mind. Studying, reading, decision making, decision fatigue. You can begin to feel decision fatigue. And there's times when I tell Jenny, she's like, do you want to eat this or do you want to eat that? Do you want to go here do you want to go there? Can we get this or can we get that? I'm just like, I... I i literally feel like I don't have any more capacity to even decide what I want to wear. And, and, and so and, and, and some CEOs even, even have a very standard like fashion or people choose it for them because they have such decision fatigue, they don't want to decide what to wear or what to eat. They just bring me food and I'll eat it because they're, they're, they work with their minds. And so how do you rest from working with your mind? You work with your hands. Well, what about if you work with your hands? What if you, you have a, a labor-intensive job? Well, then it's important for you to, on your day off not to build the deck. <laughs> but you need, to, you need to do something that's going to rest your hands and work your mind. And when you do this, you're going to feel your capacity increase. And so someone recently told, asked me, I, I went on a trip with my wife and they asked me, well, what books are you taking to read with you while you're gone? I said, none. They were surprised. They're like, You always say, leaders are readers. They are. But not on my rest. I rest my mind. So I don't want to read on vacation. I want to have fun. And so so for me, resting on Sabbath, to me, it looks like yard work. It looks like playing golf. It looks like working out. It looks like helping around the house. It, it just looks different for me. And some people say, why you work so hard? It's your day off. Like, I'm having a blast because I'm, I'm resetting, I'm recovering, and I can feel the difference. But if you work with your hands, uh, then you need to find ways that, to Sabbath with your mind. And I don't know what that means for you. Maybe, you, maybe read a book. Maybe, maybe play a video game. Maybe just, just sit in that couch, watch a movie, watch football, But but if you work with your hands and Sabbath with your mind, if you work with your mind, Sabbath with your hands, and you'll feel the capacity increase when you rest your body and your mind. Is this helping you? I hope this is helping you, the principle of Sabbath. Number two, increase your capacity by knowing who you are. People are so stressed out because they're trying to be something that God's not called you to be. You can't fit a round peg in a square hole it it will cause stress there's a lot of pressure on people to be something they're not to uh, to 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 be wealthier to be prettier to be skinnier to be more successful have better fashion better cars better homes and then getting caught up in all the comparisons she's a better mom than me if I were only as confident as they are, if I was only as strong as them, as successful as them, if I only ha- could do what they could do, if I had the giftings they could have, or if I, if I could have the types of friends that they seem to have, then I would be, you'd be what, happier? You'd, you'd be happier to be someone else in, in their life? No, you, you wouldn't be, because you'd always be trying to chase the next thing. The most satisfied people I know, they know who they are, They 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 lean into who God's created them to be. And they're not going to try to be anything else. I tell you right now, if I told my wife, next week, Jenny, I want you to preach at New Life Church. (laughs) She'd be stressed. And I'm not the kind of husband that's going to make her do. I know that's just listen, my wife is, is an incredibly spiritual woman. But she doesn't feel the call to preach. And I don't need to make her. I love my life. <laughs> and I love my wife. But what you don't know is every single Sunday morning back in my office she comes in and she lays hands on me and she prays for me. Every single Sunday morning. And, uh, but th- th- that's in her capacity. And uh, if you were to tell me, starting tomorrow, Devin, you're gonna homeschool those three boys. <laughs> I said, I'd be like, you got the wrong Devin. That's not my capacity. you got to know who you are. you got to know who you are, and it helps increase capacity. Don't get caught up in comparisons, because the person you envy is not the person you need to be. Those that live satisfied, they're not stressed, because they're, they're, they know who they are. They lean into that. Galatians 6, 4, this is what it says. It says, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves, alone. They can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. In other words, know who you are, and it is liberating to live in your calling in that fashion. The real thing about stress is that the happiest people don't have less stress. They don't have less problems, but they do have more purpose. They're not stressed because they know who they are. And yes, are there elements of stress in their life? Absolutely. They're facing the same inflation as you are. They're facing the same people problems, work problems, family problems, money problems, but they're happier because they know they're not defined by those things. They have a greater purpose. And, and, And watch this, I would say this, that when... Your problems distract you from your purpose. Is when you will be stressed. But when your purpose distracts you from your problems, you can live satisfied. When I in my first year here at New Life Church, I had I have some dear friends in the ministry, uh, not in Kokomo outside of our city. I have some dear friends, and um, and they they knew a, a bit from me. Uh, the story of New Life Church. They knew that New Life Church had been through a very difficult season prior to me becoming the pastor. And and they knew that ultimately like New Life Church was a bit of a project that that on paper didn't look good, but but if but you had to come and see it. And it is it is awesome. And and so he knew I, I took on something quite heavy. And then we had COVID in three months. Heavy. And and so we're we're trying to solve all kinds of difficulties and problems in the church and then COVID on top and all of those difficulties and problems. And I had friends calling me, Devin, are you okay? Because I know what you're trying to do over there. I know you just got there. These are crazy times. Are you okay? And I'd be like, am I okay? I said, listen, man, I'm having the time of my life. Like, are you, are you, you're sure, I'm just positive, I'm awesome, I'm having a blast, I, and I, I'm telling you, and I was not lying, I felt deep down in here, that all, yeah, they're calling me because they're from the outside looking in, they're like, my friend has to be stressed, and str- certainly stressful things are happening and were happening, but they're like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm awesome, I'm actually having a blast at this. Why? I knew without a shadow of a doubt that God had called me to this, that, that I knew who I was, I was leaning into that. Like I said, I knew that I knew that God was in control. And what I, and what I recognized is I was allowing my purpose to distract me from the problems. But, but we get it backwards, I've gotten it backwards, that I allowed the problems to distract me from my purpose and now I'm frustrated, and now I'm stressed. And, and, and when people allow problems to distract them from purpose, all of a sudden, they don't wanna be married anymore. They don't wanna have kids anymore. They don't want their job anymore. They don't wanna serve the church anymore because I'm so distracted by my problems, I forgot my purpose. So you gotta get greater purpose in you that distracts you from your problems. And you say, you yeah, know, what, whatever. It's going to be hard. It's worth it because I know why. I know my why. I know my purpose. So whether the money's bad, whether the work is hard, whether the relationships are difficult, no matter what my naysayers say, I'm so in on my purpose that it's distracting me from the fact that, oh, probably, this probably could be problematic. And so when you, when you can do this, when you know who you are, capacity increases, stress comes down. It's not, the stress isn't going anywhere, but we can increase capacity. So, allow your purpose to distract you from your problems. Number three, increase capacity by simplifying your life. The enemy of simplicity is complexity. And we live such complex lives, trying to do it all, have it all, be it all. We live in an oversaturated materially marketed world that is always selling us something more the motive for more only brings greater and greater complexity to our lives it's stressful complexity to our calendars complexity to our dollars complexity to our relationships and that's just it complexity is the killer of simplicity complexity fills us to our capacity and simplicity helps us fulfill our calling because it's not distracted it's not distracted increase capacity by simplifying your life second peter chapter 1 this is what it says it says therefore my brothers and sisters make every effort to confirm your calling and election for if you do these things you will never stumble never I, I, I saw that, I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen that there before. That there is a prescription that we could never stumble. I mean, like, where's this been my whole life? My toes hurt from stumbling on things. And that is to make every effort, to every day confirm, I am called to this. I am made for this. I know who I am. And I'm not going to allow to bring complexity into my life to, incre- to take over my capacity and distract me from what I'm to be doing now. I need to keep it simple. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's the thing, your calling has competition. Your calling has competition. It's the complexity of life. It's the need for more, more and more, your competitor is more. There's a common thought that if one is good, then two is better. Help me out. If one is good, two is better. If $1 is good, $2 is better. If one kid is good, two kids is, you got quiet there for a second. <laughs> you got really quiet. I have three kids. It's better. It's better. It's better. If one car is good, then two cars is better. If one wife is good, two wives, is wrong! It's wrong! Don't you answer that. It's wrong. Two wives, is wrong. It's wrong. But we have this need for more. If one's good, then ooh, two, two is better. And we start to make our lives so complex, and they're not simple anymore. Look at this scripture that I found in Ecclesiastes. It says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. Better one handful and peace, tranquility, than two is better and have toil, and chasing after the wind. And that's what we've been taught to do. The marketing of our world is to chase and chase and chase and chase and chase. I bank with a bank called Chase. (laughs) The devil, man chasing after the wind, this and that. If one is good, then two is better. But there's a principle that says, if you want to increase your capacity, you need simplicity. So better to have one handful. Would you like a second? I'd rather have peace. I'd rather have peace. Would you like to upgrade to the the next car? I'd rather have peace. Peace. Would you rather upgrade the square footage of your house? I'd, mm, I'd rather have peace than two handfuls in toil. The complexity is a killer of simplicity. So if you want to increase capacity, we have to go for simplicity. And in this thought of more, especially in probably my generation and younger, there's this need for attention. And this attention is sought after through social media and things of that nature, looking for likes and follows and comments. And there's a whole generation that have, that, that they find such satisfaction by being validated online. And this need that, and this idea that, there's these you know, YouTubers that started a YouTube channel and now make millions of dollars because of all their views and all of this. And so now every young person thinks, I can be the next nobody to somebody by doing these things. And so they try all these outrageous ideas, trying to get notarized, trying to get seen, trying to become famous, trying to become the next whatever. Next person to get paid a lot to do very little. And it doesn't work, but it does bring a lot of satisf- unsatisfaction when You're not being validated online. But this, I noticed the same trend in in men and women in my field of work, in ministry. The need to see numbers of people measuring success by numbers of people, measuring success by by, uh, positive feedback and verbal validation. And then it dawned on me and it set me free, and, and that is this, it's on the screen. I don't need to be well known to be told well done. And for those that are chasing validation, whether it be through social media or just in life, you're trying to impress people with what you drive, you're trying to impress people with, with, with your, your, your crass joking at work, it, whatever it is, you uh, listen, you don't need to be well known to be told one day, well done. And I think the richest people in heaven will probably be people that you and I have never heard of, but God had his eye on them. Keep it simple. Number four, number four, increase your capacity with support from others. That when you have your tribe, when you have people in your life, It helps lift the lid. It helps reduce stress because they help bring a capacity into your life. There are people in my life that have the authority to speak into my life, to bring correction to my life, encouragement to my life. Like I love it when you encourage me, but when one of these people in my life encourages me it lifts the lid. My capacity increases. They can call out greatness in me. They can correct me and rebuke me, and I welcome it. It increases my capacity to have this feedback loop in my life because I don't want blind spots. So I need people to help me see the back of my head. Have you ever seen the back of your head? i am not seeing the back of my head. Somebody actually sent me a picture one time. I was at a convention. They sent me a picture, and they said, hey, I see you. They circled me. And I said, is that? That's not I am losing hair. <laughs> I was depressed the rest of the service. Depressed. I'd never really seen the back of my head. You can use a mirror, you can, but you've never really seen the back of your head. You need, to, you need people in your life that can help you see the back of your head. You need people in your life that can help you show, show you your blind spots and build a feedback loop. It helps increase your capacity because then, then you would be like, oh, that's why I keep getting frustrated and I'm stressed because I'm not doing that well. And I always thought I was. I never saw it from that perspective. You may, see, you may be thinking, I have people around me all the time. I have, I, I'm with people at church, I'm with people at work, I have people in my house. Uh, yeah, but having people in your life is not proximity. It's about relationally. Relationally, that you have those people in your life that you can be honest with. And I'm talking about the kind of people that you can get in a room together with a few of you and everybody can... Take the mask off without fear. And they say, oh, wow, me too. Those are the types of relationships you need that will help increase capacity in your life. Support from others. Ecclesiastes 4, it says, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For I am toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? He chased after the wealth of the world but had no relationships, nobody to be real with, and he realized it was for nothing. So if you want to increase your capacity, you can increase it by support from others. This is why we encourage you to get in a life group here at church and, and begin to build those relationships with people that you can be really honest with in your life. Number five, increase your capacity with help from the Lord. With help from the Lord. Psalm chapter 4 says, I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalm twenty nine eleven says, the Lord gives, me, gives, uh, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with what? With peace. In Romans 5, 5, 1 it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the thing, most of our stress is a result of ignoring God's principles. There is consequences when we do, when we ignore the principles of God, that the pressure begins to exceed capacity. And moreover, peace comes when we put God first. When we put God first, peace comes. And maybe today for somebody you have got to start putting god first and for you maybe you're sitting here and and you're you're already anxious from the week you've had you're already anxious from the pressure that is building and and you have no capacity left for the pressure in your life then today is can become the greatest day of your entire life when you invite god into your story Because maybe you've never had a relationship with God before. And maybe you've never began a relationship with God because you feel like, well, I don't quite have it all figured out. There's no way that God would accept me here and now as I am. Here's the thing. You will never live the perfect life. And actually, God sent Jesus to this earth to live the perfect life that you and I never could. And then Jesus died a criminal's death the very death that you and i deserved and by doing so he then now forgives us of all of our failures and there's nothing we have to do other than just place our faith in him and if you're you're living stress and you, you don't know where to turn and you've, you've tried everything you've tried you, you've tried to manage stress in different ways and it just it's not working then you i i i implore you invite god into your life today And and I understand that you may not even know all the implications of what will need to change in the future, but that's okay. Listen, we will help you with your next steps, but you have to take the first step. When Jesus says, he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. And that is the invitation for somebody here today. Would you come to him? And would you just say, God, I don't have it all figured out and I don't even know what's next, but I know I'm going to start with putting you first in my life. Would you all stand with me this morning? Would you all stand? If you're a part of our, of our response prayer team, if some of our prayer team members can start to come down to my right and left, down front here, begin to partner up and do that. But I, I want to speak to the one here today that would say, I've not put God first in my life yet. I've not done that. But I'm experiencing anxiety, depression, stress, I've got doubts and worries, then my invitation to you is today you're gonna to choose to put God first. There is nothing you have to do. You don't have to go and clean up your life first. He'll just take you, right? And he says, just come to me. You're heavy. If you're heavy, if you're, if you're weary, if you're burdened, perfect. Come to me, he says. So in a moment, I'm gonna pray. And I just want you to pray from the, just, the, just an authentic, from your heart prayer that you're gonna start putting God first in your life. Maybe you've never done it before. With every head bow, every eye closed. If that's you today and you say, I need to put God first because I can't handle the pressure anymore. I need help. If that's you, would you just pray with me? God, I recognize that I have a need for you in my life. I've made some terrible mistakes. I've I've got some failures. And if you really will take me and take me in this condition, then you can have me. And I invite you into my life. I want to put you first. Would you forgive me of of every mistake that I've ever made? I, I want a better path, and I don't know what my next path is, but I know it has to start with you. Would you forgive me? Would you accept me? I want to put you first in my life. Rescue me from my despair. In Jesus' name. If you said a prayer like that today, I want you to know that all of heaven right now is rejoicing. If you said a prayer like that today, I want you to know that we have been praying for you to make that decision. If you made a decision to put God first first in your life, I want you to tell me about it. You can simply do that by taking that Connect card in the seat back pocket in front of you. Fill that out on the bottom where it says, my decision today was, you tell us, If you made the decision to follow Jesus and you did that today, we want to help you in this journey. The rest of us, this is the number one most requested sermon of our church. Help me with stress. So in a moment we're going to sing one last song and as we do, if you need prayer for, for anything related to this topic or maybe you just have a family member that needs prayer, whatever, any need. We're going to have a moment here where you can just come forward and receive prayer from one of our prayer teams on on either side of the stage here. But let me pray that God will help increase capacity in us so we can handle more and do more. Then as we sing, I invite you to come and receive prayer today. We just want to encourage you. We want to speak life into you today. So Father, I pray for every person in this room today. There are several that are burdened by the weight of stress and you say come to me those of you that are weary heavy burdened let me give you a new yoke you're going to stand up under this he's not promising to take it away but he is saying you can do it you can stand up under it you need to you need to put these principles in place you are going to win This is who I've called you to be. God, I pray that you would remind somebody today who you've called them to be, what you've called them to do. It'd be liberating to them, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name.